0: Africa has the youngest population in the world with 60% of the population under 25. Thinking about that, you're like, wow, there are so many young people. So what's the future of Africa going to look like? Well, when you ask yourself that question, you have to think, well, how about we invest in the people who are looking after that generation? The women, the mothers. They are the first educators. So now... Let's invest in them so they have time to invest in, the, in that generation, also give them love.
1: Hello friends, welcome to Let's Give a Damn. I'm your host, Nick LaPara. I aim to share the stories of all kinds of amazing dam givers so that you'll be inspired to give more dams than ever before. I'm recording this super early in the morning, so forgive my morning voice. I'm probably not supposed to tell you that. It's not professional, right? What the hell, we're family. My guest today is the brilliant Omar Baru Tagola. Omar was born in Mali, West Africa, but raised in Canada, British Columbia to be specific. I won't be getting into his upbringing right now because I want him to share it, but you're going to want to pay close attention. It's an amazing story. As Omar grew up into a person who valued action over talk and someone who wanted to create solutions, he launched Farafina. Farafina means Africa in Bambara, the national language of Mali. Farafina's vision is simple and compelling to share healthy, sustainable farmed food with the world while improving the lives of women farmers and their communities in Africa. They do this by partnering with over 850 African women farmers in nine villages to bring nutrient-dense African-grown products to Canadian tables. They're in hundreds of stores across Canada, and we hope to see them in the US very, very soon, because I want to buy their products. Y'all, you're going to love Omar. I felt like I could talk with him for hours, but for your sake, however, we did not talk for hours. I know you're going to learn from Omar, going to be inspired, and you're going to be a better human as a result of this conversation. If not, I promise to give you your money back. Get it? You don't pay me, so just shut up and listen. I'm kidding. You can do whatever you want. I'm not the boss of you. But I highly recommend you spend some time with Omar and me. Ready? Here's my conversation with the founder of Farafina and all-around badass human, Omar Baru Tagola. Let's go. I am super honored to have Omar Baru-Tagola on the line with me today. Omar, how are you? I'm doing fantastic. How are you, Nick? I'm doing fantastic as well. Uh, I don't know what the weather's like in the Pacific Northwest right now, or I guess it would be, you're in Vancouver, so you're in the, the what do you, what do you call that part of, of uh, British Columbia? Oh, I mean, well, I guess the West Coast. The West Coast. Yes. Yeah. You, yeah. We, we, I, I used to live in the Pacific Northwest, so, so we did, did. Four, four years in Tacoma, just south of Seattle. Uh, went up to Vancouver many times, love it, love it, love it. Yeah. And set, we were guilty often of just lumping Vancouver in with the Pacific Northwest. So when we would talk about Vancouver people, we would say, "Oh, they're in the Pacific Northwest," and it's like, "No, no, no, they're you know it's a whole different country. So technically, they're in the Southwest of it." You know, <laughs> um, so I had to I had to catch myself there, catch my old ways. Yeah. Um, But anyway, I was saying it's, it's a, I live in Nashville and it's one of the first days that feels like autumn here. Oh, wow. Uh, It's, it's 60s all last week and, well, all of, since the summer, it's been 80s and 90s. And then just now we're getting into cool weather. So uh, I'm enjoying it. Beautiful over here. Yeah. Oh, I'm sure. We've, we've had several friends um, come and visit us over the last couple months and they're, you know, talking about how amazing the weather is over there, and we oh, it's pretty. We're, we're very lucky here. Yes, yes. <laughs> we, we we don't know if we'll ever move back, Omar. But we, the weather makes us want to because there's no better weather than uh, the Pacific Northwest or the Pacific Southwest uh, of Canada. It just—it's amazing. I agree. That's
0: it's, that's why I've been here for so long.
1: Yeah, so let's start there. Before we get into um, you know, what you're doing, which I'm so, sure. so excited to talk about, let's figure out who you are. So share with us a little bit of your story. You didn't grow up in Canada. So give us kind of, as much as you want to, the backstory of who, the, the who's, what's, when, where's, whys of, of Omar. Uh, just give us, give us a sense as to the kind of people, places, and things that brought you to this point.
0: So my name is Omar Barutogola. I was born in Mali, uh, West Africa specifically in Bamako, the capital of Mali. I came to Canada in 2000 to pursue my education. So my parents uh, wanted us to go somewhere else other than, uh, you know, than Mali to kind of explore the world. Um, I was very fortunate to have uh, parents who, who were kind of, uh, you know, open-minded um, to the world and, you uh, the kids, uh, you know, the kids experiencing different things. So when I was 16 years old, my dad, and my parents, both of my parents decided to send us to uh, British Columbia uh, in Victoria. Uh, I mean, Chownigan Lake to, uh, to pursue education in high school and without speaking a word of English. So wow. <laughs> it was uh, it was challenging. So they so wait, they, they didn't come with you. No, my my dad came with me for about a week, okay. and he went back.
1: Oh wow! Okay, yeah. So that that makes it that makes it a little more intense that they just sent their kids to the western part of Canada from you know West Africa. That's crazy.
0: Yeah, I mean it was a uh, it, w- it was very challenging the first uh, the first few months. Obviously, I wanted to I wanted to go back, you know, uh, because it was hard to communicate with people. But then uh, you know, my dad always told me that. You know, if you set your mind on something, you can always do it. You know, just uh, make sure you try your best. Because he was actually uh, in my shoes, probably twenty years prior to that, um, he obtained a scholarship uh, from West Africa to just to go study in Utah, and he didn't, you know, he didn't speak any English. So, you know, based on his experience, he wanted us to kind of experience the West. Uh, you know, kind of make our own uh, our own experiences. So that's why I came here in high school. I spent two years uh, on Vancouver Island. Um, and after that, I moved to Vancouver to pursue my education uh, at a university here. Uh, so I studied business. After, you know, four uh, five years of uh, university, uh, I majored in uh, finance and business. So I decided to, uh, you know, to kind of explore the, uh, the world of employment. So that's when I started working, but I just didn't, you know, I didn't love what I was doing. Uh, That's why, uh, I started, uh, Farafina, but, uh, the whole, my whole experience in Canada has been unbelievable. Like I really feel blessed uh, to have the parents that I do have. Um, they did sacrifice everything for you know, my siblings and my, and myself to, to be in a position to make decisions for ourselves. And, uh, really see the world for ourselves and make our own decision.
1: That's amazing. Are they still in Mali, West Africa?
0: Yeah. So my father uh, worked for the United Nations for UNICEF okay. for, 20, for 23 years. And my mother is a midwife. So we left Mali when I was about uh, 10 or 11 years old and went to uh, Benin in West Africa. Was there for four years. Then my parents moved to Chad in Central Africa. And after that, so from Chad, I moved to Canada. My parents went to Burkina Faso in West Africa again, uh, because every four or five years, my dad would move to a different country. So then um, they retire uh, about five, six years ago. And my father could have lived anywhere in the world, but he decided to go back to the village where he was born in.
1: Why is that? That's that's fascinating. I mean, it's amazing. Why did he choose to to go back there versus, like you said, anywhere else in the world? He wanted to go
0: right. Well, he told us that uh, he's he had already accomplished everything he wanted to do. You know, he he had an amazing job, uh, got to travel the world. You know, got to raise uh, kids uh, who were off in uh, exploring the world. So now he wanted to go back uh, to. His community, where he was born, to uh, to help people. Uh, you know, he wanted he wants to dedicate, remain remaining of his life to really dedicating uh, helping people uh, at a village level, which is the same thing, exact same thing that his father did uh, after World War Two, uh, after fighting for the French. He could have uh, they offered him, to, uh, you know, an amazing life in France. But he said, "No, I'm gonna go back and look after my people." So that's when he came back and became one of the youngest uh, chief in his village, uh, because once again he wanted to be with his people, helping them um, have uh, you know brighter future. So that's exactly what my dad did. That's what it. That's what they're doing right now in Mali, um, helping women at a village level uh, to have a brighter
1: future. Wow! So your parents are really solid models of, you know, for the sake of this conversation, giving a damn. They're solid models of, like, you know, choosing people first, even over experiences, you know? Oh, yeah. Um, it's
0: always been about people. It's always been about people. It's never been about themselves. Um, you know, sometimes, like I was telling you at the beginning, I, I'm I'm very fortunate. It's not to put anybody on the pedestal. Uh, I really, there are role models for, for me. They, they are the reason why I started Farafina. Um, so if you look at my parents, you know, tr- you know, being across the world from Mali, they um, they always had uh, a vision to go back to help people. So one now that they're doing it, uh, it's making amazing difference in you know uh, in people's lives. So now they built. Uh, about five uh commercialized Italian bakery in villages uh, across Mali and employing people who are earning way above the uh the average wage, who are sending their kids to school, not just in Africa, uh, but also abroad. So it's a uh, that 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 whole model uh was you know what inspired me to really wanna like you say, I wanna give a damn and uh you know, do uh, make a difference in the world because I was already, I was already blessed to be, you know, able to come to Canada, to be educated, you know, Absolutely. to have a family here, you know?
1: Yeah. Well, it sounds like I need to have your parents on the podcast at some point then. I know you, know you do like that's super, that's super fun. And you know, I'm a father of three children. Uh, mine are young right now. My wife and I have three kids. They're, they're, they're ages four five and six. So they're young and we're busy and all that. But like, I always tell people, you know, as I try to articulate my legacy and my future, I have all these dreams and aspirations. I, I have four companies that I, you know, run right now and all these different things that are happening, right? But I always say to them, not as a way of patting myself on the back, but as a way of reminding myself of this great truth that my greatest legacy will be that my kids do a much better job at giving a damn than I'm doing right? Like, that's, all, that's what it's all about. Like, sure, it'd be great to, you know, make a lot of money and help a lot of people and start great companies that, you know, that make a difference and have an impact on the world. But I will be the proudest man ever if my kids do an infinitely better job at loving people and impacting the world than I have. Like, that to me is a job well done because that's how we get better, right? If every generation gets better and better versus gets worse and worse, right?
0: I, I completely agree, and that's the reason why. Uh, when you take a look at Ferrofin, this is the reason why my parents are still uh, highly involved in uh, in uh, I mean, they retired. They, you know, they could have just had you know a very very easy life, just relaxing. But now, once we started Ferrofina, they wanted to be a part of it, uh, running all the operations uh, in Mali. So it kind of. Uh, you know speaks volume of what needs to be done in this amazing continent uh so you know we are really ready to tell the story of these amazing farmers um it's a partnership it's not nobody's working for farafina we have a collaboration we work together we you know we you know better each other together you know that togetherness that's the, the the strongest thing you know
1: yeah absolutely We're- we're about three minutes away from talking about Farafina, but before we do, because I'm so excited to—you've mentioned it—and I'm—I'm—I'm really excited to even see how your parents fit into all of this. But before we get there, I want to just riff on something for a second because you—it's come up a few times now. I—I I, I can see different things about you that I really like and that are kind of similar to my story. So I grew up; um, my dad is Guatemalan. Um, I was born here in the U.S., but we lived in Guatemala for 10 years. And then I spent seven more years after that traveling around the world, 30-plus countries. And I attribute those 16, 17 years of being outside the U.S., or in, in not just outside the U.S., but just traveling the world, seeing different people, places, and things, I directly attribute that to, to why I feel so strongly about living an impactful life, giving a damn because I was able to get out and see different types of people. I, I, one of my biggest gripes with, um, and it's, you know, it's my birth country, so I think I have the right to do this, but one of my biggest gripes with America is that you will find so many people that have, they dislike or even stronger, they hate, or they can't get along with certain types of people or ideas. And then when you dig into their story, you find out, that they've never been out of a four-state radius, wow. or that they always, or that their parents always took them to Disney World or Disneyland for vacation, instead of saying, "Hey, we're going to go to, we're going to go to Mali or we're going to yeah. go to Portugal or we're going to go to Iceland or we're going to go to uh, Mexico for our vacations," because that's like the world is at our fingertips. That's like it's probably more expensive to go to Disney World than it is to a lot of countries, right? Yeah, and well, so I completely agree. yeah, you just stay. You know, you're born in whatever florida or mississippi and you go to you go to disney world for for vacation whichever one is in in florida i don't even know or care but <laughs> whichever one is there and then you just like go back home and you stay in your little your little your little circle of influence so you don't know any better when you say oh i dislike like we don't need any more immigrants or more refugees or that's not right or that's not right or we're becoming more you know diverse and less white all these things if i was to you know, go into their story, many of them have never even left the four-state radius, let alone the, their country, the U.S., to go somewhere else.
0: I mean, I completely agree. I think uh, traveling uh, the world, even within Africa alone, and going to different countries with so many, I mean, Absolutely. different cultures. Uh, just, just to kind of give you an idea, Mali alone, Mali has over, I would say, like over 40 different languages, not dialects. Language, right this is just one country so you know, there are so many different cultures like for example my parents come from a different you know ethnic group my father is bambara my mother is a uh, perl and the perl descended from uh, ethiopia so it's like there's so many mixing of people there so by by traveling from country to com- country in africa y- you experience completely different cultures different people. So traveling within Africa, you know, has opened, you know, our eyes to the reality of what's going on in Mali. In the realities of Mali are very different than realities of Benin and realities of Chad and Burkina Faso and so on and so forth. Right. So it's like seeing all of that and coming to Canada, there are just, you, you feel, you feel very blessed mm. to, to really, you know, to travel, to see that, to see all of that and see if, people from different backgrounds and interacting with people from different backgrounds, it is a beautiful thing, you know, because it's not just about you and your people. You have a global way of thinking right now. You know, you have a worldly view. So it's just, it's amazing to travel, to see people from different cultures and interact with them.
1: Yeah, I'm super glad that you have that same kind of worldview and perspective. And for everybody listening, I've heard so many times, I can't afford to do that. Or there's no way I can do that. I only get two weeks of vacation a year. I, can't, I don't make enough money to do that. I. You can make it happen. Like, I really, really believe that. Not everybody, I understand there are situations, but stop going to the movies as much. You know, cancel a few, you know, subscriptions that you don't need. Uh, stop going out to eat so much. Like, all of these things add up. And if you want to, like, seriously, like, a vacation in, you know, Portugal or something like that is is comparable to so many of the vacations that so many people take to the same place the same you know the same beach house in South Carolina or the same whatever like just try to think bigger and try it once because i guarantee you not everybody i guess but like most people if you if you get that if you leave the US and go somewhere amazing to people that are totally different than you you will want to do it again and again and again um, I agree. And so I completely agree. Uh, yeah. So I want to encourage everybody to, you know, think about that, take a look at that and your worldview, your ability to give more dams will expand as you meet people, um, different ethnic background, different religious background, different skin color. And like you said, it's so like here in the US, we get so uh, I can't I, I, I honestly can't stand the extreme nationalism that I see. I'm super fine with people being, you know, patriots. Like, yes, love, love your place, love your country. I'm fine with that. But when you love what you are so much that you fail to be a citizen of the world first, yeah. then I, I think that's a problem. I think that's a big problem. And it's, and it's the impetus behind so many divisions and wars and disagreements and uh, racism and xenophobia and all these things come up because we see ourselves as better than the other, that person, that people.
0: Yeah, I mean, when you just look at everything that's going on in the world, um, I truly believe that people have to start thinking that we're all yeah, we're just all part of one family, that's a human family. Yeah, you know, aside of uh, aside from our you know lifestyle and you know background and all of that, if you look deep. Inside, we are all the same, just different colors. We are all the same, you know. I love <laughs> so it. uh, um, it, it's um, it, it's unfortunate that you know people think differently. But I mean, not to judge, you know, at all. Not to judge anyone at all. Uh, but I, I just love having tough. And hard conversations. Yes, it's not, it's not about disagreeing with people, but it's just about expressing your worldview versus somebody else's, and sitting down, having those tough conversations. And at the end of those conversation, conversation, being able to, you know, hug each other, and you know, go by your lives. Yeah, uh, I just feel like that's how we should we should live, live our lives.
1: Beautiful. I love that. Thank you for sharing some of your life. I'm so, I I, I love where you came from, who you've become, all of that. Your parents, I want to meet and hug your parents. I think they're amazing. <laughs> I'm also, we could have a whole other conversation about, I'm I'm pretty anti, not pretty, I would say more than pretty anti. I'm mostly anti-retirement. Uh, right. Because, I mean, the, like, if you want to even go, like, I get it, you've worked all your life, blah, blah, blah. But if you, but if you even look at, stu- like, the science and the biology of our body, we are made to... Like we're made to work, we're made to love, you know, we're made to love people, we're, we're made to be active, right? And it's been proven over and over and over again that as soon as you retire and kind of mentally, emotionally, physically give up and stop working, you increase your rate of mortality. Like you're going to die sooner that way versus if you put your hand to the plow and be active. And I'm not saying you have to work 40, 50 hours a week till the day you die, but just continuing to create, continuing to figure out what your place is. So we could... We could talk for, uh, we could continue talking because you have firsthand examples of parents who could, like you said, they could just be chilling, right? But I guarantee you, unless there's some like, you know, freak accident or something unnatural, but if, if they die of natural death, they have just, they have just expanded their life 10 years, 15 years, 20 years. I don't know. Yeah. Like they're going to live longer because they're continuing to be creative and love people and their emotion, they're continuing to display empathy toward other people like that helps you live longer. It just does. I
0: agree and i just feel like with the way they live their lives right now um that's why i just I tell people that i have no excuse not to get up every day and go to work because of what they're doing back yeah. you know in mali and uh, given everything they've done in their lives so far i have no excuses so it's like uh they're doing so much and uh you know i'll uh you know i'll talk about more of that you know uh, in a little bit but it's just that uh, i'm you know, I'm I'm very I'm very lucky to be where I am right now, with the support of uh, you know loved one, family, and everybody
1: else was
0: uh,
1: a part of Ferafina. You know, amazing. So Ferafina, give us the origin story. Um, how did it start? What were kind of the steps that it took to start? And then give us the. I mean, I, I might interrupt you with a question here and there. But oh, just yeah. give no. give us the whole. Just give us the whole thing. I'm so fascinated by social enterprise work. And this is a this is a beautiful one. I mean, it's 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 kind of a holistic. It's helping everybody involved. So, give it to me.
0: So, Ferafina, uh, Ferafina, which means um, Africa in uh, in Bambara. That's like the uh, the national language of, of Mali. Uh, we are, like as you say, we are a social enterprise that works with the women farmers in Africa to provide nutritious food, um, sustainably conscious con- uh, consumers. Mm. So this uh the company started in 2013 and uh i just had i was kind of fed up with what i was doing you know you were i was working at a tax recovering firm you know not loving what i was doing i uh i consulted with my with my parent and my uncle to see what i could do because i just didn't feel fulfilled i wanted to do something to give back even though you know i had just started working i just wanted to give back and i just felt like you know that's That's my mission on this earth to just really give back uh, to people because there's so many things that I'm so grateful that I had. So now what can I do to give back to the people uh, of Mali, of of Africa? So I had a bunch of ideas that I just threw at my parents. They were like, you know what? These are great ideas, but how about you start thinking of something that you can start without a lot of money? How about, producing stuff in africa and see if we can sell them in, in north america i'm like oh wow that's a great idea mm. what can we do like well we have hundreds and hundreds of hectares of land as a family so how about you start exploring those I'm like, okay sure so that's that's when we started coming up with uh, a list of different products that we could uh, potentially bring here we did a little bit of market research then um my mother said well this would be a great opportunity to connect with the people of Mali. I'm like, okay, sure. So now I wanted to go a step further. I wanted to only engage with women, women farmers. Mm. I'm like, okay, so that's, that's a fascinating idea. Why women uh, farmers? I'm like, well, you know, if you think about it, I'm being biased here, but I feel like my mother is probably one of the strongest women mm-hmm. I know in my life. Whenever she comes into a room, you just feel her presence. And knowing that everything she did for us growing up and that force and all the things she was able to change culturally in Mali, I'm like, you know what? I feel like everybody deserves to have somebody like that in their lives. So then we started, you know, conversing and seeing how uh, we could uh, work with these women farmers. But I told them, you know, the mistake that a lot of people make is to go to Africa with the right intentions, um, but just tell people, "Well, this is this is what we would like to do for you. This is what we like to," you know. They have yep. they go with the plan, yep. right? Yep. But I'm like, even though I'm from there, I was born there. I mean, that's where I'm from. Like, you know what? We we are going to we are going to do things differently. How about we go sit down with these farmers, consult with them and see what they need help with and see if we can and how we can help them. Consultation is a big thing. And I I, I really believe in uh, hearing people out before offering anything. So Mm. that's when we sat down with the farmer to figure out what can we do for you. And the main reason why I wanted to work with women farmers is because of how things are in Africa. I mean, this is not an African issue. It's a global issue. But if you think about how women are treated in Africa, women don't have a lot of voices, and they are the first people to get up in the morning and the last to go to bed. They provide for the families. They look after the kids, look after the husbands, go to the farms, you know, work all day, come back home, make dinner, put the kids to bed, and do it again the next day. Yeah. So why? When we want to invest in those people, they love doing what they're doing. So how about we make life a bit easier for them so they actually can invest in the next generation? Since they are the rock of the families, investing in them is the biggest thing we can do as an African. Like I was, I'll always tell people that uh, Africa has the youngest population in the world with 60% of the population under 25. Wow. Thinking about that, you're like, wow, there are so many young people. So what are they going to, what's, what's the future of Africa gonna, going to look like? Well, when you ask yourself that question, you have to think, well, how about we invest in the people who actually look after, who are looking after that generation? The women, the mothers, they are the first educators. So now, Let's invest in them so they have time to invest in the in that generation also give them love. This continent has so much potential. So that's why I was just telling my mom, you know what, let's consult with the, uh, the women farmers and see what we can do. I mean, this was a very strange concept because in Mali things are not done that way. But I wanted to hear from them what they wanted and see how we could help them. So the first year of Ferafina, we started with about 15 women. And the following year, we increased to 50 women. And four five years later, we are working with over 850 women in nine different villages. Incredible. I would never take credit of any of that because it's not my doing. Ferafina is a platform for these women to tell their story. We are just that channel sharing their story with the world because i feel like africa has some amazing resources we i mean i don't like to get involved in politics or anything like that you know when people hear of africa they kind of see a completely different side of it mm-hmm. uh, they talk about famine you know war and all of that and i'm like you know what that's that's one way of looking at it if you look on the flip side the natural resources this untapped continent not a country this untapped continent yeah. has so much to offer and this is what we want to be able to share with the world these amazing strong women producing amazing nutritious products for the world so that's why I couldn't just sit and just you know you know and stay quiet about how people people view africa because i mean that's their opinion And I cannot just sit and just be sad about it and sad about how the world views Africa. No, no, no. I can do something about that, right? Yes. So that's why, you know, I kind of put together a team. Uh, My best friend was uh, one of those uh, people who I approached in the early days of Ferafina. And I told him about in this division what I wanted to do. And right away, he told me that, you know what, Omar, I'm 100% with you. This is somebody I met the first day I landed in Canada. So we went to high school together, you know, went to uh, you know university and everything at the same time. And till today, he's he's a, one of my closest friends. So, so him him having a completely different background, coming from Bolivia, uh, you know, seeing that vision and actually could relate to it, I wanted to actually bring people from different backgrounds to come together for one common goal, as men standing up and talking about this topic of women. I have a son, you know, Mm -hmm. I want my son one day to understand the value of his mother and the value of women in our societies. Because if we were to really, as a society, if we were to invest in the women and Give them the value they deserve. This world will be a very, very
1: different place,
0: you know in the future. So that's what we are doing with farafina you know, connecting the world to Africa through the power of food.
1: So what do you make, and where does it go?
0: So with the farmers that we work with, we um, they produce different products. So we have uh, a fo- a grain, fonio grain, uh, one of the oldest uh, grain uh, in the world. And fonio is naturally it's gluten-free, it's high in iron zinc, and uh, these women grow fonio, but it, the fascinating thing with fonio is that fonio grows on marginalized land, so it doesn't need anything. Oh wow. In the raining season, you just throw this thing on the ground and it grows. And this is one of the grains that you know, people are talking could actually solve the issue of famine in Africa because it can grow anywhere, you know? So it's like, so we make the fonio. These women grow the fonio. We bring it to Vancouver. Uh, we package it as a grain. We mill it down as a flour for baking. Uh, also, we have uh, the baobab fruit powder, which is uh, uh, one of the healthiest fruits out there. Uh, baobab is high in antioxidant, vitamin C, and uh, potassium people using in the smoothies and we also have moringa leaf powder. So this is just uh, we only have uh, four SKUs right now that we sell on the North American market but there are so many other products that uh, we are looking forward to bringing to the uh, to the world really which are produced by once again by these amazing
1: women farmers. Where are these products available? I know they're in quite a few stores. Is it just in Canada, or or can you ship them, or or what what does that look like?
0: We currently sell our products in about uh, five to six hundred stores across Canada, hmm. in um, the Loblaw stores, uh, Whole Foods, uh, Save On, and um, you know a lot of the retail stores in Canada. In the U.S., we are not in the U.S. yet, but our plan is to definitely get in there, um,
1: sometime next year. Wonderful. Well, when you do, I will buy all of this stuff. Fonio looks really, when you describe Fonio, the perfect grain, and I love that it's gluten-free and we're a, we're a vegetarian, almost vegan family. So we're looking for, we're always looking for kind of like those food, those power foods, right? That right. Have, you know, so much in them. And I don't know, I'm trying to think if I've ever even seen Fonio in a store here, like i don't even know if you can get it. do you know if you can get it in the u s or are you guys one of the first kind of bringing it over
0: well i I believe you you can get it in the states uh, but i a lot of our online customers are American actually, so got it that's the reason why we, we want to really expedite everything to get on the shelves in the u
1: s as soon as possible yeah absolutely I think those these these three things would be a super big hit ferfin amazing like i I mean eight hundred and fifty women that now have you know, that jobs and they're, you know, they're, they're being valued. I love going, going back a few minutes. I love how you described your process in kind of getting to the point where you're like, oh, and I want to focus on women, um, because of, again, this is a global problem, but it is a, you know, it's a global issue, but it is an issue there where the women so much is put on them. Right. And they're taking care of, you know, they have, the, the husband and, and the kids and the the home and the in inside and outside the home cooking cleaning everything and they're amazing they're amazing humans that are have such they have such an ability to to work and create and innovate and in certain cultures getting that out of them is just wasted like they don't they're they're not given the the time space and energy to to work in those ways a lot of times, and so y- you focusing on that is is brilliant, and I'm excited that you know there's still hundreds of thousands, millions, you know, not hundreds of thousands, millions, hundreds of millions of women that y- you've not been able to help yet, but sure. 850 that's a, that's an enormous number. That's 850 homes and communities and villages that are being transformed. Um,
0: it's true. Like when I when I think about it, by helping, uh by working with just one woman, you're changing lives of at least five people and their communities, right? Yes. So this is like in Africa how things are done, you know, there are communities and these the impact affect the entire community. And that's what we want to do. We want people to we are Farafina, but we don't want to be the only people doing this. We want people to join force with us. You know, Africa can scare a lot of people, but you have to look at a completely different side of Africa. You know, the opportunities in Africa Reina, right like I was saying, being, having the youngest population, having all the untapped resources, right? We don't have to get into politics. You can work at a village level with the people, who actually care about their land, people who actually care about the environment, you know, growing these amazing products without using any sort of pesticide or anything. That is sustainable farming. So that's what we want to encourage people to look at, explore, try to understand, ask the hard questions, you know? I, I would never shy away from, you know, answering anything, but I just want the world, I want people to see Africa for what it is, which is this amazing continent with, amazing resources and on top of all of that women should be should always be you know uh, our our focus really um this is because i went to mali um three years ago and i'm actually going there in about almost exactly a month from today awesome for a month with, with my family we were there three years ago sitting down with these women farmers and talking to them since partnering on with that you changed know, what changing our life and seeing them sitting there crying You know, uh, us, you know, sitting across from them crying because it's just they tell you exactly what they were doing. Yeah. Walking 10 kilometers each way to go to the the, the nearest uh, village to sell their product on a local market and walking back home with maybe 25 cents to 50 cents at the end of the day. I mean that is that, that that's so painful it was so painful to even listen to it yeah right so they walk to the villages harvest everything from the farms bring it home and every Wednesday they go to the market to sell it but everybody's selling the same thing right so that's why they don't you know they don't earn any money from it so that's what we told them you know what we will come to your village so you don't have to walk anywhere no more walking 20 kilometers to sell your product on a, on a local market. We are going to open this global market for you. We will come every two weeks to your village so you don't have to walk by whatever you harvest from you every couple of weeks. And on top of that, we will provide an equipment that does 200 kilo, kilograms of fonio an hour versus manually doing five kilograms an hour. Why is that? Because time is the most important thing yeah, it is. that they don't have. Mm-hmm. They don't have the time because they're doing everything else. So as a company, working with them, making them more efficient. So whatever you harvest, you put it in this machine. It does everything for you. And a couple of weeks later, we'll be there with our trucks, picking them up from you. So you don't, you don't have to do anything at all. What does that create? More time with the family more love to be given to the children and focusing on themselves because they do deserve it. Mm-hmm. And that's what
1: we are doing in Mali with the with the women farmers. It's beautiful. So imagine all of the Let's Give a Damn listeners, the people listening to this podcast right now, sitting in front of you, and you get a few minutes to, uh, I guess, convince them that, living a damn filled life is the best way to live um, what what sort of advice if you're just to give like short you know two or three pieces of advice based on your life and experiences and the work that you're doing and the people in front of you right the people that listen to this podcast want to give a damn they they're either already giving dams or they're trying to figure out how to be more generous or loving or to actually stop talking about stuff and to be you know to you know put actionable steps you know, in place in their lives. What would you share with those people in the room um, today? Just some pieces of advice.
0: I would just say that the best way to live your life is to give a damn about everything else and kind of exclude yourself out of that. Because when you focus on yourself, you kind of limit, you're limited. Once you kind of start involving others, Wanted to do things for others, that's when you feel fulfilled. Mm. One thing that I know is guaranteed for sure, in, not just in my life, in general, one thing that's guaranteed in life is that we will not be here one day.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: We are going to go one day. All the money you make in the world, you're not going to take it with you. So what are you going to do with it? You know, you, we want to leave this world a better place than we found it. And how do we do that? by focusing on others. So I I do give a damn about education of women. I do give a damn about how women are treated in, in this world. And as a man, as somebody who was a son, I want, like I said before, I want him to grow up and understanding that, you know, you have to respect women. You have to put them first so that they can actually have all the tools necessary to look after the next generation. It's a partnership. You know, men and women are equal on all aspects of life. And it's not, this is not a fad. This is a reality. You know, if you see everything going on in the world right now, this movement is not going to end until that that equality is actually becomes real. So giving it them... This is what I wanna, you know, I want I wanna live my life like that. I want my kids to live, you know, their lives like this as well. So Africa is what I understand. That's where my heart and soul are. That's that's what I understand. And sitting across, you know, from these women, hearing their story, knowing that knowing what they've done for generations, I just feel it's so unfair as a world. No one deserves to live life like that we have to do something we have to be better you know by by being here by talking to you today i feel blessed mm. in this world so my mission right now is to make sure that the world hears their stories and understand all the amazing resources that africa has to offer mm. and all these resources are produced by who by these amazing women so it's just really a, a collaboration that I want people to join forces uh, with us on. This is the mission. Let's join forces. Let's come together, you know, as a you know a citizen of this world, and want to make a difference. It's an African issue. Uh, that's because that's how I see it. It's not just Africa. It's a global issue. We have to come together and understand the value of each each person uh, in this world. So. Living a fulfilled life, you always have to focus on others because right now I feel very blessed to be here to to live the life I live. So I'm going to make it a a goal of mine to make sure that these women and this next generation of Africans are better off.
1: Well, thank you for modeling that sort of a life for us. Um, I, I really, truly appreciate that. As we begin to wrap up, Omar, is there anything that I haven't asked you that you want me to?
0: Well, I uh, like right now, Farafina is uh, you know, it's uh, my goal is to make this, this brand um, a, you know, a household brand. Farafina is a, we are in storage in Canada today, but I want this company to be it's a household brand because at the end of the day, by, by purchasing these amazing products, feeding your family amazing product, amazing nutritious product you're also starting these hard conversations. By having these packages on your you know, dining table or your kitchen cabinet, people, by seeing the, the pictures of these women on these packages, are going to ask questions. So why did you purchase this? So then you can have this conversation, this hard conversation started, you know, about women in our societies, about Africa, this tough conversation. And we just want to be able... As an African, I want to be able to, you know, I want, this This is an opportunity for me to educate the world on, on Africa and uh, sharing our amazing
1: culture and our amazing food uh, with the world. Wonderful. Well, I will put all of links and details in the show notes. Omar, Baru, Tagola, this was a fantastic conversation. Thank you for joining us here today. Thank you so much. Yeah. And, and uh, let's, uh, I, I want to I go to Mali. I want to go to Mali. Let's let's figure it out so, let's I, can, it so I can join you on one of the trips. I'd love to see the work going on there. I uh, this is a bad time to bring this up because we're wrapping up. But I spent six weeks in Zambia a few years ago, and I love the continent of Africa. I loved everything about it. Again, I've been on almost every continent, thirty plus countries. Right. I, I've been to a lot of places, and I can't tell you how. Much I enjoyed, and obviously Zambia and Mali and all these countries you've mentioned are completely different, different cultures. Right. But there's a cohesive, beautiful thing about Africa that I just love, 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 and it was, it was. I'll always look on those weeks with with great love and fondness because I, I just, I've always wanted. It. Not every country that I've been to have I wanted to like, oh, I've got to go back there. Right, um, right. But when I think about Zambia and when I think about the larger continent of Africa, I'm like, man, I want to live there. I want to be there. I want to go back. I, ne- I just need to go back. So let's, let's make it happen sometime.
0: Please, please, let's make it happen. We'll connect for sure. Wonderful. Thanks again. Thank you so much.
1: Dear friends, I cannot wait until Ferrafina's products are available here in the U.S. I also can't wait to go to Mali with Omar. I also, also can't wait to hear what you think about this episode. So hit me up on social media, at Nick LaPara. I'd love to hear your thoughts and takeaways. For all links and information regarding this particular conversation with Omar, head over to podcast.letsgiveadam.com. That's podcast.letsgiveadam.com. Thanks for all the ways you continue to support this show, friends. Keep going. Tell a friend. Leave a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts. Give a dollar or five at patreon.com slash let's give a damn. You're awesome. This podcast was edited by the incredible Chad Snavely. Our music is by our amazing friend, Propaganda. Thanks once again for joining me. Same day, same time next week. Peace.